I want you to think about a time, and maybe it's even right now, or maybe you're facing something that's this way. I want you to think about a time when you're facing something that you truly are going, have no idea how this is going to go. Maybe it's something that's just intimidating to you. Maybe it's something that has caught you off guard and you find yourself in a situation in life that you did not want to be in, for sure. And I want you to ask yourself the question, how am I going to deal with this? Because what I love about where we are today in the book of Daniel, will be in Daniel chapter 2, is I think it's such a practical and real help for answering that question in our life today. I think God has given us a gift in this chapter of watching someone go through an incredibly difficult time and begin to have at least an idea of how we can begin to navigate these things. So what is it in our life, in your life, or my life, that would put us in a place where we go, I don't, I don't know where this is going to be. Now, I want to say something up front. I'm going to do my best to say it once and not say it over and over again because I like to say things over and over again. But God is always in control, and he's always working things out. That does not mean that things will always work out the way that you think they should. I'm going to say it one more time. I said say it one. I'm going to say it twice, okay? God is always in control. And God always, is always working things out. But it does not mean that he's always working things out the way that you think that they should be worked out. Now, one of the things that we're going to see today in this passage is, is we're going to see the, the miracle that God does in revealing the mysteries of the difficulty that's placed before these people. And we have a story today that gives us hope because we see God do some incredible things. We see God begin to work in a way that's just unreal. But I just, I just feel the need to, to remind people that things don't always work out the, thing that the, way, the way we want. Uh, it's kind of one of the things, can I just be honest with you, it's kind of one of the things that I used to get frustrated all the time with Christian movies because they always ended the same. Everything worked out. Everybody was all happy. It's all good. And I'm like, that's not my life. And I just felt the need for some people to stand in front of people and go, even when things don't work out the way that I think they should, God is still good. Now that is worth repeating. Even when things don't work out the way that I think they should, God is still good. You see, God's perspective on this world goes beyond anything that we can possibly see or imagine. And when you really just step back and think about it, just from the perspective of 7 billion people on the planet, and then I have my perspective of things, where does that fit in? But then you understand that there's a God who's over it all, and he is working toward his will and in his way for a way that will bring glory and honor to him, you begin to see the bigness of God. So just to catch us up, or maybe it's your first time with us, we're in the book of Daniel, and in chapter 1 what we learned was that God allowed Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, to come in and wipe out the city of Jerusalem, which was God's people, and to take people into captivity. And so God's people have been taken into captivity. And while they're in captivity, the king of Babylon selected men who could serve him that were of royal line. 
and good service. So he selected, along with many, Daniel and his three friends, and they're serving the king. They're learning the ways of Babylon, and they're trying to serve the Lord in this context. And as they're serving in Babylon, Daniel determines, we talked about this last week, Daniel determines that even in the midst of this place that he does not want to be in life, in a culture that is totally different from what he has in mind, in a place where he does not want to be, he determines that I am going to honor the Lord in everything that I do. And one of the ways that he makes a stand is in the way that he chooses his diet at that time. And God honors that and begins to show his work already in his life just in that. And so here's what I want to tell you about the book of Daniel. It's not about Daniel. It's about God. In every story that we see in the book of Daniel, though we see it happening in Daniel's life, it's about God. And it's about the sovereignty of God, that God is revealing himself over and over as to be the one who is in charge of all these things. So again, I go back to the question I asked at first. What is it in your life? What difficulty are you facing? What struggle is in front of you? What, what thing is just in your way in life that maybe has you in a place where you're going, I don't know how this is going to work out. And my question for you is, what are you going to do with that? Well, let's look at what Daniel did with his. So here's what happens. In the second chapter of Daniel, what we see is that King Nebuchadnezzar, of course, he's training all these people to be wise men. And he has a dream. And Nebuchadnezzar is very upset about this dream. It's not one of those dreams where, you know, it happened that my wife and I wake up and I'm in trouble because she had a dream. It's not that type of dream. I don't know what I did in those dreams, uh, but it's not that type of dream. Nebuchadnezzar is upset because there's something in his dream that has him just troubled at the core of his heart, okay? And here's what he says. He calls all the wise men together and he goes, I want you to interpret the dream. Now, this would be something that would be very normal for the time because that's what they're getting raised up to do. These wise men are supposed to help interpret and counsel the king. But here's the kicker on this one. He says, I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. The wise men go, well, that's different. And so they begin to to kind of stall at first, and they're really trying to honor the king. And, well, you know, this is, and, and the king kind of picks up that they're stalling. He goes, let me just say this again. You need to interpret my dream and tell me what's going on, and I'm not going to tell you what my dream is about. And if you can't interpret my dream, then I'm going to kill all the wise men, every one of them in Babylon. We're starting over. That's what he said. So now the wise men get mad. And they're frustrated with the king, and this goes back and forth. And then finally the king goes, okay, fine, I'm tired of you stalling. He lays down the edict. All the wise men in Babylon are going to get killed. And that's where we pick up the story here. But first I just want to point out this one thing where God's setting the table. When When the wise men are talking with King Nebuchadnezzar, In verse 11 of Daniel chapter 2, this is what the wise men of Babylon say back to their king. What the king is asking is so difficult that no one can make it known to him except the gods, whose dwelling is not with mortals. So they're going, King, you're asking us for something that's so ridiculous that only the gods could do it. And the gods, they don't hang around with us. 
So there's no way that you're going to get the answer to what you want. So they've set up this impossible situation. I want you to catch this. The king's own wise men acknowledge that there's no way that this could happen unless it's done by the gods. So then we pick up the story. The edict goes out and the men get sent to wipe out all the wise men in Babylon. And so that's where we find Daniel and his friends in this situation. It's a pretty impossible situation, isn't it? I mean, the king has already said it. They've already kind of argued with the, the wise men. So what are we going to do with that? But any time that we have the opportunity to add God into the equation, we can understand that our situations might be limited by our perspective, but by God's perspective, they are not limited. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he was teaching his disciples, looked at his disciples and said these exact words to his disciples, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So here's what we need to understand. When we're facing a difficult situation in life, I can trust God even when I cannot see a solution. I can trust God even when I cannot see a solution. Okay? That's the foundation that we need to learn to live by. I can trust God even though I don't know how things are going to work out for me. And so with God... He can take an impossible situation and use it to reveal his power. He can take an unthinkable thing that's happening in our life or around us and use it to demonstrate his power. He can take an a incredibly unknown and make it known because he has that type of wisdom. But I have to have enough within me to trust him to do what he says. So what's the situation you're facing? How do I respond when I'm facing difficult circumstances? Let's look at what Daniel did, and let's use this as a model today. In verse 14, and I'm just going to warn you, I'm not going to get very far before I start preaching again. In verse 14, then Daniel responded with tact and discretion. To the most unrealistic, ridiculous, over-the-top, crazy edict that has ever been presented, Daniel's response was with tact and discretion. Christians, I'll just talk to you for a minute. There's a lot of crazy things that happen in the world around us. Our response needs to be like Daniel's, with tact and discretion and love, and hope, and calm, and peacefulness. We don't need to add to the chaos any more than what's going on. Daniel didn't lose it when he found out about the edict. He goes, now what's going on here? Okay, so we're all about to die? Okay. Can we think about this for just a little bit? That's, he, he responds with tact and discretion. I'm just going to say this. If you don't hear anything else I say today and you walk out of here going, I need to learn to respond to more things in my life with tact and discretion. It's been a good day at church, people. Daniel's response 
to an unrealistic, impossible situation was with tact and discretion. The captain of the guard who had gone out to execute these wise men of Babylon was who he had tact and discretion with. In verse 15, he asked Arioch, the king's officer, why is the decree from the king so harsh? And then Arioch explained the situation to Daniel. Well, it's what happened. The king had a dream. He's upset about it. He asked for people to do it. Then they just kind of made him mad. So the king just in his anger also did this. And so Daniel did this. He went and asked the king to give him some time. Now, that's already a miracle in the story that some people miss because the king's already fed up with most people. But Daniel, because he had tact and discretion, was able to have an audience with the king as well. And he asked the king to give him some time so that he could give the king the interpretation. And we're going to go through all of this, but I'm going to go ahead and read it now. Then Daniel went to his house and told his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter, urging them to ask the God of heavens for mercy concerning this mystery so Daniel and his friends would not be destroyed with the rest of Babylon's wise men. The mystery was then revealed to Daniel in a vision at night, and Daniel praised the God of heavens. And I'm going to read what he says, but I want you to catch what's going on. Daniel's response was, first of all, tact and discretion. And then he goes, okay, we're going to take this to the Lord. I'm going to bring some others in on this to bring this to the Lord. God responds, and Daniel brings glory to God. And this is what he says. May the name of God... Be praised forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals the deep and hidden things, and he knows what is in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I offer my thanks and praise to you, God of my fathers, because you have given me wisdom and power. And now you have let me know what we asked of you, for you have let us know the king's mystery. You see, we're all of this again. It's not about Daniel. It's all about God. When Daniel found out about his situation, he took it to God. When Daniel got an answer to his situation, he praised God. This is what we're pointed to everywhere that we see in the book of Daniel. No matter what situation we face in life, we can always bring that to God. We can seek God for an answer, and we can praise God in the midst of it. That's what we do. And so let's look at this a little bit closer and, and, and break this down a little bit. The first thing that we need to do when we're facing a difficult situation is take my concerns to God First, Now, you can underline the word first again. You can highlight the word first. You can circle the word first because that's the point of this point. I think anybody would go, I need to take things to God. But I think most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, would have to question, do I take things to God first? Or is God kind of in the mix with all the other counselors I've allowed in my life? Or do I truly know how to take things to God first? Because that's the first thing that Daniel did is like, this is an issue for God. This is not an issue 
for the wise counsel of all the wise men of Babylon who've already blown it. This is something that only God can deal with. You see, we're, we're compelled by Scripture over and over and over and over and over to trust God, to have faith in God, to take these things to God. But do we really do that? Is God just one of the things that we seek counsel uh, when we have, it's one of the places where we seek counsel when we have a difficult situation, or is he the priority and the person that we're going to to answer our questions? The psalmist puts it this way, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. God desires that we take our difficulties, our, our struggles, our our circumstances and just lay them before him and go, God, I I need to know what to do in this situation. I need you to move in this situation. God, I need you to answer this. And then when God does, who gets the glory? God does. Because we're taking it to him. You know, Jesus was teaching his disciples, and this is actually an excerpt from the Sermon on the Mount, so he's teaching all the people who are gathered on the mountainside. and, And and. In chapter 6 of Matthew, he acknowledges the fact that, you know, pursuing God alone, it's difficult for some people because we get bogged down by, well, what am I going to do if? Well, how am I going to, well, where is this going to work out? Well, if I do that, how am I going to do this? And Jesus, in the way that only Jesus can, just narrows it all down in Matthew 6.33. And he says this, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Jesus says, look, don't focus on all those things. Just focus on honoring God. Now, remember, way back in Daniel chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 8, Daniel determined. Daniel determined that he was going to honor God. And now here he is still determining that he's going to honor God. And he's faced with this impossible situation. What does he do? He comes to God and says, okay, God, I'm trying to honor you. And here's what's happening. What are we going to do? So we need to learn to take our concerns to God First, can I, I'll just give you an example. Let's, let's, I'll give you something to try. I'll, dare you, I'll double dog dare you, and since you're a Texan, you got to do it, right? Next time you're facing a difficult situation, talk to God for a week before you talk to anybody else. See what happens. Don't say a thing to anybody else until you've taken it to the Lord for a week. And see what he does with it first before you start running to the normal outlets on it. See how God works. Give him a shot. Give them a chance. When we learn to take things to God first, we get to a much better place in our life. And then we come to this next point, which is this, seek godly counsel. Daniel took it to the Lord, but then he also invited his friends. But look what he did with his friends. He didn't go, what should I do? He said, I am seeking the Lord on this, and I'm asking you to seek the Lord with me on this. You see the difference in that? He didn't come to his friends and go, what are we going to do? I don't know. What do you want to do? Let's panic. Ah, okay. He went to his friends and said, we've got to take this before the Lord because you don't have the answer and you don't have the answer and you don't have the answer and I don't have the answer, but we know who does. And if we all come to the Lord together, then perhaps he will answer us and show us what to do. I love how The writer of Proverbs puts it, listen to counsel and receive instruction so that you may be wise later in life. I don't care how old you are, there's later in life. And you can still receive counsel and instruction. 
We can still continue to learn. We can continue to come to God's word and go, God, I don't know what to do in this scenario. And we can, we can continue to think that the world is going off its rails and in a direction that we don't know what to do. And God continues to say, just bring it on here. Just bring it on here. Just come on over here. Just follow me. Just follow me. I'll show you how to get through this. And that's what God wants us to do. And this type of counsel that we need to seek in life is not the one that's going to join us in our indecision, but it's the one that's going to join us in seeking God's face on the things that we are dealing with in life. And we'll walk those valleys with us by going, we are just going to continue to seek the Lord. Some of the best counsel I've ever received in life is from people who look at me and go, I don't have a clue what to do either, but man, I'm going to pray with you. Not the ones who think that they have all the answers. God's going to reveal what to do if we trust him in these moments. The psalmist, we read this verse last week, but it's a good one, so it's worth repeating. Amen? Amen. Psalm 1, how happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway with sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. That's where we find our delight. That's where we find our guidance. That's where we find our peace. That's where we find our hope in the midst of a hopeless situation is that we look to God's word, we meditate on God's word, and we seek to apply and live out God's word, and he will guide us on what to do when we're facing incredibly difficult situations. Even if they don't pan out the way that we think they should, God will show us what we're to do. And when he does... There's a simple truth. We need to do what God's word says. We need to do what God's word says. Y'all probably get tired of me saying that. But the number of people who have trouble understanding that the Christian walk is not just about gaining knowledge of God, but actually living out God's truth, is, it's, it's unbelievable to me. It's not just coming and learning this book. It's actually living this book out. As a matter of fact, the Apostle John puts it this way. In his book, he quotes Jesus and he says, The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. So what's the path for us having God reveal himself to us and show him what to do? It's obeying his commands. It's doing what he says. You know, I mentioned the Sermon on the Mount earlier when Jesus is wrapping up the end of the Sermon on the Mount. This is in Matthew chapter 7. He says these words. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, and the winds blew, and it pounded that house, yet it did not collapse because of its foundation being on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, the winds blew and pounded that house, and it collapsed, and it collapsed with a great crash. You see, Jesus himself is saying these words. You have to actually do what God tells us to do. I'll go ahead and maybe put it in in up-to-date terms for us to understand. It does you just as good to not come to church as it does to come to church and not actually do the things that we're learning to do. That's what Jesus is saying. It's not about church attendance. It's not about 
It's not about making a decision at some point in my life to say that Jesus is Lord. It's about actually living on a daily basis, getting up and saying, I'm going to do what this word says. And every day that I get up and this word tells me something new to do, maybe that I don't understand or that I don't necessarily follow, I'm going to trust it more than I trust my experience, more than I trust the culture, more than I trust anything else. I'm going to live this word out because as I do what it says, that's when God's going to reveal himself to me and I'm going to see that there's a different way to live and a different way to handle things that may look impossible to me now, but for God, nothing is impossible. That's how we get to that place. That's how we get to that place. And I'm going to go ahead and add this caveat. We do what God's word says exactly what his word says. We don't add God's word to our own wisdom and add a little mix over here with this and go, oh, okay, God's going to put this over here. Well, I like this part of God's word, but I don't really know this part of God's word, so I don't want to do that part. No, we do exactly what God's word says. You know what? When I find myself in difficult situations, I said this in my Bible study class today, when, when I'm kind of going along with something and it doesn't seem to be working out, I, I have this habit. I always go back to like, okay, what's the first instruction? Instruction one, do this. Have I done that? Okay, I'm doing that. All right, and instruction two, because if, if I don't, then I find myself just kind of all over the map trying to fix it myself or come in. And this is what I mean. We do exactly what God's word says. We go back to the, am I doing what God's word tells me to do? Exactly. Am I following it? And if you're going, hey, pastor, I don't know what God's word says. Let me just tell you how this works. As you figure out what God's word says, do that. And then once you're working on that and you figure out more than what God's word says, do that. It doesn't mean that you have to go home today and look for every command in here and go, I need to be living. Though. You, we do. I mean, that, that's the thing because we're going to find life as we do that. But the more you put this word of God into your heart, not just for knowledge, but for actual application and living, then the more you're going to find the path to life no matter what life throws your way. And then as we do that, we see that we can come to a place that no matter what situation we face in life and no matter what's going on, we see that God is at work. And when God is at work in our life, it doesn't become about us anymore. Daniel is not about Daniel. Daniel's about God. And the more that Daniel reveals the work of God through the things that we see happening in Daniel's life, here's what happens. We see Daniel over and over and over and over again give glory to God. So if you didn't catch it, this is what we do when we face an impossible situation. First of all, we face that with tact and discretion. Have a little calmness. Have a little trust in God. And then we go to the Lord and we seek him in prayer. And then when God begins to answer those prayers, we just praise him. We just give him glory. We just say, thank you, God, that you're at work and I can still see you even in the midst of this difficult situation. Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 27. Daniel answered the king after he had Revealed this. No wise man, no medium, no magician or diviner is able to make known to the king the mystery that you've asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he has let King Nebuchadnezzar know what will happen in the last days. Your dream and the visions that came into your mind as you lay in bed were these, your majesty. While you were in bed, thoughts came to your mind about what will happen in the future. The revealer of mysteries has let you know what will happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have more wisdom than anyone living, 
but in order that the interpretation might be made known to the king and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. The story goes on to tell us that as Daniel revealed what God had given him, that the king, the most powerful man in the world, bowed down and worshiped Daniel, the little Hebrew exile, and acknowledged, Daniel, your God's greater than anything else, any other God. Your God's the one that's great. The most powerful man in the world, all of a sudden, everything has turned around. He's going, your, your God's better than anything. And Daniel's going, I know. Because you think you're all that, Nebuchadnezzar, but God's given you a vision and a dream that you're not in control of any of this. He is. So again, we come back to the whole thing points to the bigness of God and the greatness of who he is. And so our only response to this should be to live our life in a way that glorifies him and trusts in him and lives out what his word says. We're compelled by Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 to live our life, let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and glorify God. I'm going to say this about five times. That they see our works and glorify God. Live our life in such a way that people look at us and the things that we're doing and they don't glorify us. They don't praise us. They don't look at us and go, wow, they're, they're awesome. They look at us and glorify God. That's the goal of our life, to live in such a way that we do such good works that people don't even see us. That your works are so good that they don't even see you. They just see God right through everything that you're doing. That's the way that we're supposed to live this life. Daniel's not about Daniel. Daniel's about God. So let me just ask you this question. I asked you at the first of the message, what's the difficult or impossible or frustrating situation that you're facing? And how are you handling that? Well, we've seen a path of how we can do that, but let me just kind of put this out. The impossible situation that you find yourself in may very well may be happening so that God can demonstrate his power. God may have you in a situation right now that you're going, I don't have any idea how this is going to work out. And God's going, I do. And the only way it's going to work out is if you come to him and trust him in it. And then when you do and you see him begin to work those things out, even though it might not be the way that you think it should work out, it should lead us to a place where we can give glory to God. Do you know him? Do you trust him? And do you do what he says? Would you bow your heads with me this morning?